right. How's everybody doing today? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, so I had to grab the, the stool. I'm actually, I found out this week I'm gonna have to have foot surgery. So, um, so I'm probably going to have to sit down a little bit here. Um, so just bear with me as um, I'm figuring all that out. Uh, but I wanted to, uh, wanted to start off by saying that um, just like Ethan said, the same thing applies to me. Uh, Ethan said this, but when he spoke um, the last time, that this is the last time he'll speak before he's a father. Um, so same thing for me. Last time that, yeah, last time that I'll speak from this stage before I become a father. So uh, we are excited. We're um, we're looking forward to that. And then, you know, the same joke that Ethan said applies for me as well. If I start bombing, Nicole, you know what to do. Just go into fake labor and. Well, oh gosh, I gotta go. Sorry, guys. And you know, if it's just a terrible message, just do that for me. All right. Um, so, how does a youth pastor get the entire front rows filled with kids um, from his youth group? Well, he tells me he's gonna take them to the beach after he speaks. So, uh, just so you guys know, we are leaving at about twelve thirty to head to the beach with our youth group. So, pray for us for safety and travel, and then we'll have a fun time while we're there. Um, and no sunburns. Uh, yeah. So just pray for all that. But also, you know, if this message is a little quick, you know, that it's because we're trying to get out of here and get to the beach. Right. So, um, I'm going to start off with a question and we're going to make this a little bit interactive for you guys. Uh, I want to actually get some feedback. A lot of times when, uh, when people from the stage ask a question, it's rhetorical, right? This question I actually want you to answer for me, okay? I want to get at least like four or five volunteers or more uh, to tell me what your answer to this question is. So my question is, if you could pick only one food to eat every day for the next year of your life, what would that be? Now, here's a, cap- here's a caveat. It can be something like you know, you can't just say like Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or something. It has to be like specifically a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A or tacos from where, right? So I need to know a specific answer. And this is what you have to eat every day and nothing else. This is all you get to eat. Adrian? No, this is the only thing you get to eat every day for, for an entire year. It's all you get to eat. Tabby, you got an answer? Italian seafood salad. What's the Italian name for it? You can't. You can't. I was like, I was ready to hear it. I was like, I was like, man, that sounds exciting. Um, all right, what else we got? What else we got? Goat cheese. Just goat cheese. That's it. Okay. All right. That's that's an answer. Bev. Yes. You need the protein, right? You got your protein. You got your carbs. I get that. That's, that's definitely just peanut butter. Just like give you a tub of peanut butter and a spoon and you're good to go. Yeah, Jim's like, yep, definitely. All right, what else we got? Yeah, Bon. Okay. Yes, the Azteca burrito from Me Cancun. I, that's actually, that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, Amy. Chick-fil-A french fries. So who here is like thinking Chick-fil-A is probably high on my list for that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's definitely, I think there's a few of us that that's, that's a pretty high answer. So 
Um, what else? I want, I want some like, I want some teens answers to this on the front row. Paco's tacos. Paco's tacos? Paco's tacos. Okay. So yeah, tacos are, are high on my list too. That's a, yes. Fruity Pebbles, Monica. Okay. That's good. I like Fruity Pebbles. They're delicious. Uh, and you said tacos, right? Adri Adriana. Yeah. Yeah. You both of y'all are tacos. Yeah. Um, anybody else? I want to hear, like, if you're like, man, Riker, what's yours? Nerds. <laughs> just give him candy. He just wants candy and that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, Ryan. A nice steak. Just a good, that's a, that's also, that's really high on my list too. Um, okay. So you guys want to hear mine? Mine is a Chick-fil-A chicken deluxe sandwich. Okay. And let me, let me explain to you why, because you got your protein, you got your carbs, but then you also have some veggies with the lettuce and tomato and the pickles. So you kind of got a well-rounded meal and you can kind of keep it going, you know, kind of keep yourself. Uh, yeah. You can get cheese on it. So you got your dairy. So yeah, like which sauce, I, I don't know. Do we get sauce with it? I, I guess. I don't know. But if I'm picking a sauce, I'm really high on Polynesian sauce. I love Polynesian sauce. And I would like to have the spicy chicken sandwich because I like that a lot more than the, the regular chicken. But the spicy chicken can sometimes kind of tear my stomach up. So I'm probably going to go with the regular one if it's for a whole year because I don't want to have a whole year of being sick, right? Um, so that's my pick. So if you haven't figured out yet, obviously we're in this series, Hungry and Thirsty. Um, and so we're talking a lot. <laughs> and hopefully... Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're probably all getting a little hungry now. Uh, but like, we're going to be out of here before 12. So that's good. You can, you know, like beat the Baptist to the lines, like we always say, right? So you can't go to Chick-fil-A. Now I will say we're going to get into this, but we're actually, we're talking about manna today, right? So we're, we're getting into um, talking about what manna is, but manna, um, it's, it's this idea. And, and the Chick-fil-A was also strategic for me as well. As you guys are going to see here in a minute, what happens is they have to collect twice as much on the sixth day because on the seventh day, they don't get provided manna, which is kind of symbolic of Chick-fil-A on the seventh day. You don't get Chick-fil-A right on a Sunday, right? So you have to like get an extra chicken sandwich for the next day, right? So, um, so, uh, let's look at, let's look at this verse here and we're going to get back to this verse in a second. Uh, but this is from Exodus 16, verse 35. It says, The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. So I just said one year of your favorite food, right? One year. Imagine having to eat your favorite food for 40 years. Ryan, I know you love steak, but if you had nothing but steak for 40 years, you'd get sick of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fruity pebbles for 40 years, Monica, could you do it? Every day, nothing but fruity pebbles. And like, here's the thing. You could do nerds, nothing but nerds <laughs> for 40 years. Okay. I, 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 feel, I feel like you would definitely develop some type, sort of diabetes or something after that, you know. But, but look, um, when I was in high school, I worked at Chick-fil-A. I worked at Chick-fil-A actually kind of like through high school. I, as soon as I was 14 where they could hire me, I went and got a job there. And it, I was, it was like a mall Chick-fil-A so I could walk there. But I ate Chick-fil-A from the time I was 14 until, I mean, through college, I would go home on breaks and I would work at Chick-fil-A as well. And I ate Chick-fil-A all the time. And 
eventually like you have to start getting creative a little bit when you get your like your 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 like lunch that you get and so you would like find different ways to like make it taste a little different different sauces and different combos of things uh you know you have to do a salad every now and then because it was like i gotta i gotta change it up or i'm gonna get tired of it um and then eventually i started working like in the kitchen i wasn't like just on the register right when i got old enough and so when i'm in the kitchen i'm back there like developing things like throwing some spices in you know making it making it a little different when i'm making my own food right um and so i think for me variety is important to a lot of people you know but uh, even after all those years working at Chick-fil-A, I could still go back and eat chicken from Chick-fil-A. I just love it. It's delicious. Um, you know, a lot of people call it the Lord's chicken. And I definitely think that's true. Um, but right, right. Yeah. Chris, it's okay. You're also an Android user. So, you know, it's, I, I get it, man. I get it. <laughs> um, all right. So if I had to eat chicken sandwiches though, every day for 40 years, I'd probably lose my mind. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I probably would. Um, and, and this is where we're at with the Israelites. And I'm going to tell a little bit of the backstory that leads us up to this like interaction with manna in the desert. Um, but first, before we do that, uh, I want to talk about manna. What is manna? Okay. Um, I know like a lot of you are probably, you know, kind of like I, I, maybe, maybe all of us are familiar with it, but some of us might not be. So let's talk about it a little bit. Um, the word manna translates from Hebrew. Most people translate it as just what is it, right? Because and as you'll see here in a little bit, uh, when we read into Exodus 16, the Israelites actually, when it, when it first came down, so what happened is manna literally came down from heaven, almost like snowflakes, right? Uh, and so actually, this is, this is a funny story. Back, I want to say it was like in the 50s, and Israel snowed, right? And if you don't know anything about the Middle East, it does not snow. Like it, there's like, they are, they're not used to getting snow and it snowed for like several days in a row. And so like the Israelites literally like, is this manna? Like, what is this? Like they, they walk outside and there's these flakes coming down from heaven. So um, it really kind of like, was like, whoa to them. Right. Um, so, so the Israelites have this bread literally just coming down from heaven. Uh, it actually is described. I'm actually going to go down here as I have it in my notes. Um, if I can find it, um, they actually talk a little bit about what it was like. If I can find it here. Um, it says it was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. So what I imagine is like almost kind of like a little like honey pita cracker type thing. Right. You know, um, so there's the and I mean, we don't we don't know for sure exactly what it was like, but that's kind of the description we have. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Um, so it was probably pretty good. It was from heaven, right? Like it probably tasted pretty good. I would imagine, I imagine he didn't like give them, you know, communion crackers or anything, right? You know? Um, and so this word manna, if you look at the root word in Hebrew for manna, um, the, the root word points to two things. It points to the fact that it was important, right? They didn't know what it was, but they knew because it came down from heaven that this is important. Like this, this manna that's coming down is important. And the other root word here, or, the, or another like translation of the root word would go to the idea of portion, right? So like, it's this idea that this is your portion. Um, we're not, we're not to take too much of it. And you'll see that here in a second as well. Uh, but it's, it's the idea of portion. 
and how God always provides for us. And we're, again, this is going to be a theme later. God always provides for us, but sometimes it's not what we thought it was going to be, right? And sometimes it's exactly, but sometimes it's not what we thought it was going to be, but it's always exactly our portion, exactly what we need. And so we're going to get to that in a second. Um, but to set up where we're at in this story, uh, if you guys know the story of the Israelites, and we're gonna, and uh, there's a there's another um, chart I'm gonna show you here in a little bit that shows the cycle that the Israelites tend to go through. Um, but what happens is they are in exile; they're they're um, in in slavery, right? In in ex in, in the book of Exodus, so they're in slavery to the Egyptians. So they are serving them, working. And they don't have freedom. They don't have the ability to kind of like make their own money and do their own things. Uh, they're just given things by the Egyptians. Uh, and so they're literally living as servants in, in uh, Egypt. Um, and so you guys, if you know the story, God chooses Moses as his servant to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Okay. He leads them out of Egypt. And then if you know the story as well, so like, the other thing is these, uh, these Israelites that are being led out of Egypt, they were there for hundreds of years in slavery. So everyone that was there was likely born into slavery, right? They didn't know a life of freedom. They didn't know what it was like to live free. And so they get led out of Egypt by Moses. Moses, and if you know the story, he has all these, the plagues. You've heard that story of the plagues, right? He has the plagues, and then he convinces Pharaoh to let my people go. You guys have heard that before too, probably, right? So Pharaoh finally says, all right, I will let you guys go. I've had enough of these plagues. I'm done with them. <laughs> like, I don't want any more people to die or get hurt, so take your people and leave. But then he changes his mind, right? And again, right, because that's what Pharaoh does. And Pharaoh sends a bunch of chariots to chase them down. And you guys know the story of Moses, like, parting the Red Sea. Even if you're not someone who grew up in church, you've probably heard some of these, like, these sayings before, right? So Moses parts the Red Sea. Um, God does it through Moses, but that's a different story. Uh, so the Red Sea is parted, and the Israelites walk through on dry land, Okay, they get to the other side. You guys know what happens. The, the sea comes in and on all the chariots from Egypt and, and it saves the Israelites from these chariots that are trying to chase them down. So that's the story that's led them to where they're at now. They are free. They're in the middle of the desert. And God actually, for, for a whole series of events that I don't have time to get into, God actually tells them, hey, you're going to be here for 40 years. Actually, he doesn't tell them 40 years, but he, he knows that like, hey, we're, like, you guys are going to have to walk around in circles in the desert for 40 years, right? So that's kind of what happens, and that's led us to where we're at. So they're in the middle of the desert, and if you guys know anything about the desert, there's not a lot of water. There's not a lot of food, right? It's kind of hard to obtain resources in the desert. So they're hungry, and they're thirsty. Again, the title of our sermon series we're in right now, Hungry and Thirsty. So that leads us to where we're at. So we're going to pick up this story in Exodus 16, verse 2. Uh, it's going to be up on the screens for you guys to read if you would like to read along. Uh, so in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Imagine being so frustrated that you would rather choose death than where you're at in the middle of this desert, right? And that's where the, the Israelites were at. They, they were saying, hey, I would have rather died than to be here. Um, 
They say, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death, right? So they, they are at this place of, of just desperation. They're, they're desperate, they're hungry, they're thirsty, and they think back to the times that they were in slavery in Egypt, and they say, I would have rather died there than to be where I'm at right now, because at least there I had meat, right? At least there I had food. Um, so we'll go to verse four. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So he gives them a list of instructions on how to handle this bread that's raining down from heaven, manna. Um, so verse six, so Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Um, <clears throat> then he says in verse nine, Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. Uh, I want to stop right there for a second, because a lot of people, when they read this passage, they go, man, what was wrong with the Israelites? Like, why are they grumbling so much? They go, they're free, right? They're free. Why are they grumbling? Why are they complaining about being in this desert? Because at least they're free. They're away from the Egyptians. But I want you to take a second, and I want you to kind of like put yourself in the mindset of like, man, I've been in, the, in slavery my entire life. I was born a slave. And now God leads me out to freedom, which is super exciting. You see this Red Sea part and you walk through and it's like this a really super exciting situation. And then you get out into the desert and you're hungry and you're thirsty. And I imagine at first it's probably like for probably a few days, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. You're like, okay, this is cool. Like, look what God did, right? But eventually you start to realize, like put yourself in that situation. You start to realize that like, man, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. And so a lot of people look at this and, and paint the Israelites in a bad light for saying, for grumbling to God about being hungry and thirsty. I don't. And, 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 and yeah, maybe they were a little bit dramatic when they said, you know, like I would have rather died than to be here. Right. Maybe that's a little bit dramatic, but you know what? Like there are times in our lives where we get hungry and we get thirsty and maybe it's not like a physical hunger. Maybe it is, but maybe it's a spiritual hunger. Maybe you're in a, a really rough place, a, a deep, dark valley. Just was talking about that earlier with just being in sadness and depression. Um, and you're hungry. You, want, you long to hear from God. And you're calling out to him. You're groans to him. You're grumbling to him saying, God, please just feed me. Please. I'm thirsty, Lord you know? And so we hit these moments in life. And I would say at this point, the Israelites are kind of okay. And scripture here in, in Exodus 16 even says he heard their grumbling and he answered their grumbling by bringing them food from heaven, 
right? And so I think at this point they're they're okay, right? They've they've kind of they've they've kind of like I think I think God is okay with us being a little angry. I think God's okay with us being a little frustrated. He can handle it. He's God, right? Um, and so it's okay to call out to Him. But then I think as we read on is where the Israelites kind of start to go a little astray, right? Um, so we're going to pick it up in verse 10 and read down uh, through a little bit, I think verse 15. So um, read along with me here. So while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert and there was a glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. That word grumbling appears a lot in this chapter. I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. So God heard their grumbling and he sends them down these little chicken biscuits from heaven, right? Okay. So like quail is like a bird, right? So it's like, it's, you know, it's like kind of, I guess he like, he sends them chicken in the evenings. He sends them like these little biscuits in the morning. And I would imagine like if I was an Israelite, like, you know, kind of like make a little biscuit sandwich, right? You know, but maybe that's not what they did. I don't know. Um, so he sends them food. He provides their need, right? He gave them enough to sustain them and enough to survive in the desert. But as we're going to see here, that's not good enough for the Israelites, right? That's not good enough. Um, so I'm going to skip the next few verses because basically what he does is uh, Moses gives a command from the Lord on how to gather and eat the manna. Um, and what he tells them is, hey, like only take as much as you need for that day. Don't take any and save any for the next day because we're, we're waiting on the Lord to provide for us, right? Um, so his command in verse 19 is literally no one is to keep any of it until the morning. Um, and then verse 20, it's going to be up on the screens here. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. That's a, a theme of the Israelites. They kept part of it until the morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. There's a lot of stuff in scripture that's kind of gross, right? And that's, I think of that, like, he's like, they, they keep these bread, they probably wrapped it up in like a little towel or something and set it to the side. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to eat that tomorrow morning. I'm going to have extra manna tomorrow morning. And then they go to get it and it's like full of maggots and gross, right? So I think in this, in this situation right here, they didn't listen to what Moses had told them from the Lord, right? And they weren't able to actually eat it. It was gross. But somehow that that same manna would keep on the seventh day, right? It, it didn't get gross the seventh day. Um, and so we kind of see that in the next few verses. And we're going we're gonna to skip down basically what happens there. Um, he talks about like some more commands on how to do it and how to, how to save for the Sabbath and the, the importance of the Sabbath being a rest day, um, which we've talked about a lot in this church. And he says, you can bake stuff on the sixth day. You can boil it on the sixth day. You can bake this manna. And you can save it for the next day. It will keep until the morning on the seventh day, right? Um, and so they do that, and it, it says they saved it, and uh, it didn't stink. It didn't get maggots in it. It was good to eat. And so he told them to eat it on the seventh day. So verse 26 says, Six days you are together, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Again, here's where the Israelites go wrong, right? 
Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. So imagine being told to gather enough on the sixth day for the seventh day, like to gather twice as much as you normally would. And you're just like, "Mm, I'm not going to listen to that, right? The same God who parted this sea, right? The same God who sent me like these birds in the evening to eat. The same God who led us out of Israel with all these crazy plagues that we witnessed with our eyes. I'm not going to listen to what he has to say about gathering enough to last me on the seventh day, right? So it's like, why, why do they keep on just not doing what God asked them to do, right? Like, why does this keep happening? Um, and verse 28 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? That word you there, he's not speaking to Moses. He's speaking about the people, uh, the Israelites. So he's saying, How long will your people, essentially, refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? So um, then they talk more about the Sabbath. They talk more about uh, keeping manna in a jar to preserve it as like a, a thing to put on the Ark of the Covenant um, as is just, you know, an example of what the Lord has done for them. So they talk a little bit about that in the next few verses. And then we skip down to verse 35, which we read earlier. Um, the Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. Um, again, for some reasons, for some reason, the Israelites have this pattern of like, you know, not listening to what God tells them to do. (laughs) I I still, for the life of me, can't figure that out. So I think like it was okay for them to say, Hey, you know what? Like God, we're hungry. We're thirsty. Can you provide for us? That's okay. But then when they started not listening to what his commands were, that's where they went wrong. Uh, Numbers 11 actually talks back to this story a little bit in verse four it'll be up on the screen as well it says the rabble with them began to crave other food and again the israelites started wailing and said if only we had meat to eat remember the fish we ate in egypt at no cost also the cucumbers melons leeks onions and garlic if you're not getting hungry you might be now but now we have lost our appetite we will never see anything but this manna and again like they literally say This manna that you've brought from heaven, we've lost our appetite for it. We want something different. We want something better, right? And I think that, like, for some reason, the Israelites keep coming back to this. I don't understand why. But you know what? I think we do that a lot, too, in our lives, right? I really do. I think that we do. God gives us something, and it's good, and it sustains us, and he's provided for us, and it's just enough to get us through. But we always crave more. And I don't know why, as people, we do this. Nehemiah 9, I'm going to read this scripture. I'm going to read one more scripture, and then we're going to wrap things up here in a second. Uh, Nehemiah 9, 19 says, Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. He's talking about the Israelites in the wilderness here. He says, uh, By day, the pillar of cloud did not uh, fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine the way they were to take. By the way, he didn't just send manna from heaven. He literally gave them a cloud to follow and then a pillar of fire to follow by night. Like he literally guided their way in the desert for 40 years. It says, you gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths and you gave them water for their thirst. In the next chapter, Exodus 17, you actually see where like Moses strikes a rock with his staff and water comes out in the middle of the desert, which is just a crazy miracle, right? Um, 
And then in verse 21, it says, For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. That blows my mind. Like, think about that verse right there. Like, for 40 years, they wore the same clothes. These clothes didn't wear out, and their feet didn't even get swollen from all that walking. I'm about to have that foot surgery, possibly, right? And, like, I haven't walked for 40 years in the desert. So, like, for God to say, hey, like, I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to preserve your clothes. I'm going to preserve your feet. Like, that's amazing. He provided for the Israelites, but, again, for some reason, it wasn't good enough for them. Um, so there's a cycle that Israel goes through, and I'm going to throw this up on the screen here. Um, this cycle, a what? <laughs> so this is a cycle of the Israelites. So you'll see they repent, God rescues them, God restores them, and that's usually kind of one fell swoop, right? He rescues them and restores them. Then the fourth circle there, they start to relax a little bit, Right? They start to get a little bit comfortable, and that's when things creep in, right? Where we say, God, I want a little more, right? God, this isn't quite good enough for me. I think I need a little more. Um, Oftentimes in life, when we start to crave more, and we start to crave more than what God has provided for us, that's when rebellion kicks in, right? That's when sin starts to enter our lives and we start to disobey his commands, right? So the Israelites decided they were going to go out on the seventh day and try to collect manna. Uh, or, you know, the Israelites tried to save some for, for the next day um, when it wasn't the Sabbath because they just wanted extra, right? Um, and so that rebellion kicks in where we don't listen to his word. We don't listen to what he's asked us to do. And then what happens? They repent again. And God goes through the whole process with them again. And I imagine for me, like, I am, I am not this patient when it comes to friendships, right? Like, if someone just continued to do this to me in my life, I'd finally, at some point, I'd just be like, look, you keep doing this. Like, I'm kind of done being your friend, right? You know, but, but God doesn't do that. And this right here, this picture, as crazy as it looks, that's grace. Like, that is grace, right? The fact that, that God continues time after time, to listen to these Israelites repent to him, and then he rescues and restores them, knowing that they're just going to do it all again, right? And that's just crazy to me. I don't know how God can do that. That's why I can't understand, I can't even fathom his grace for us when we continue to do this, to do this to him time after time. Um, so we've read a bunch of Old Testament passages. I want to quickly read this last passage here from John 6, verse 30. Jesus talks about manna here as well. Uh, so in verse 30, so they asked him, the disciples, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're quoting scripture to Jesus, right? You know, kind of funny. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who is given the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They're, they're getting excited, right? They're like, what is this bread? I want that, right? So again, this is something different. And their question is, what is it? I want it. Give me that, God. Give me that bread that you're talking about. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So there's an imprint of manna throughout the Bible. 
Um, and I want to show you guys this on the screen here. So uh, the Bible, there's a lot of themes that manna carries on into scripture. Uh, the Israelites have a lot of different names for God. One of them is Jehovah. And then there's Jehovah Jireh, and there's all sorts of other names that come after Jehovah for what God means to them. And in this case, it means the Lord provides or, or God our provider, right? Um, so the idea of Jehovah providing for us goes back to other things as well. But one of the big stories they point to is when they were in the desert and God provided food for their ancestors, right? Um, then we see uh, our daily bread, right? In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prays, give us this day our daily bread. And that's a picture of God providing the Israelites their daily bread with manna. Um, and then there's communion, okay? It's his body broken for us. And in that previous verse, like we said there, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life, right? And what's cool in scripture, when you read the Old Testament, a lot of people separate that from the New Testament, but the whole Bible points to Jesus, amen? Yeah, and so what happens here is the manna that we see in the Old Testament Jesus comes back in the New Testament. He says, that bread that, that God provided your ancestors, that manna that God gave them from heaven, I am the bread of life. And whoever eats of me will never get hungry again. And, and you hear later in scripture, he tells them, whoever thirsts, you know, the woman at the well, which I think is next week, right? Whoever thirsts will never thirst again. And the good thing here is like when you turn to Jesus, like you'll never get hungry or thirsty again. Now that doesn't mean like you're gonna get hungry physically, right? You're gonna get thirsty physically and that happens. But like when you truly are seeking after Jesus, you're not gonna be hungry or thirsty for things of the world because he gave you his portion, right? And, and I think that's the idea of manna here. Um, so that's where I'm at right here. I have a couple of application points. So your question might be this, like how does this apply to me? right? Like, okay, that's great that God did this for the Israelites, but how does it apply to me right now, thousands of years later? I'm not in the desert. Tell me, Luke, how does this apply to me? Okay. Uh, so I think there's a few different types of people that might be in this room right now, and you may not be in either of these camps, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a couple of things here, and, and maybe this is where you're at. Um, I think there's some people that resonate with the Israelites in Numbers 11, um, and you've lost your appetite for manna, right? Uh, maybe you know that God's provided for you, but you always find yourself craving just a little bit more. Like you just, you're, you find yourself wanting just a little bit more, um, always thinking that this, this, is a, this is a toxic, a very toxic mentality to have. When X happens in my life, then I'll be happy then I'll be fulfilled, then I'll be joyful, okay? Um, I'm going to throw some, some pics up here of this guy, Ethan Suplee. Um, I listened to his podcast. It's called American Glutton. He's not a Christian. I just want to say that. He, he's not a believer, um, but he has a podcast about health, right? And you see in this picture, on the left there, that's when he was heavy. And on the right, you can see him what he looks like today, okay? He made a huge transformation in his life and physically got himself healthy. Still praying that he will come to find out who Jesus is, and that's what I'm hoping for with him. If you don't recognize this guy, you can go to the next picture. He was in Remember the Titans, if you look at that picture on the right. Uh, he was also the bully from Boy Meets World. If we got any Boy Meets World fans in here, right? So he was the bully from Boy Meets World, and he was the one of the offensive linemen in Remember the Titans. And just look at him right there on the left. Like, look at like how how like he... He has lost so much weight 
okay? And I'm going to tell you this right now. Like, Ethan Suplee, if you listen to his story and read his story or listen to his podcast, he was also a drug addict. He was an alcoholic and he had like this, this problem with food as well. So we had like so many addiction issues he was fighting. And one of the things he says so many things on there and I'm just like, I'm just, I know he's going to meet Jesus one day and I just can't wait to see when he meets him. This is going to be cool. But like one of the things he says in there is like, I thought my entire life, like when I get to the point where I'm no longer heavy, where, I, where I'm, where I'm in shape. And he got to that point. He's like, I got to that point and it still wasn't enough for me. Like I still didn't feel that, that fulfillment that I was expecting to feel when that happened, right? I hit that point, the point that I was going for, this like huge journey of years and years and years of, of choosing this health journey and he still did not feel fulfilled, right? So I wanna tell you right now, whatever you're looking for, whatever you're hoping for, it's not gonna be good enough for you. And right now you might think that whatever you have in your life is not, good, is, is not good enough for you. Like you're wanting a little bit more, but what God has provided for you, it is enough because God loves you and he's your provider and he gives you just the right portion. He gives you just what you need. Um, so if you're that type of person, you fall into that camp of someone who says, hey, I just don't know, like I'm always wanting more. I don't know why this is my mentality. Um, this is a chance for you to course correct, to repent, adjust your heart and your expectations. And as Paul says in Philippians 4, learn to truly be content with what God has provided for you, right? To be content in every situation. Paul writes that from prison in chains, right? You know, that's pretty cool. Um, let God rescue you and restore you back into communion with him. So maybe that's you today and that's your invitation um, as, as we go into this time of ministry. Um, just if you want to come back up and play a little bit behind me. Um, that's, that's your challenge if you're that person. And there might be a second person here today. And I think that some people here today, you might be in the middle of a desert right now. You might be hungry. You might be thirsty. And as I'm saying this, you're probably like holding back some tears right now. You're probably like, man, I'm hurting and I just want God to meet me, right? Um, I want him to meet me right here, right now. And maybe you're desperate to hear the voice of God. Maybe you find yourself wondering when you're gonna catch a break in life. Like maybe that's you. And, and here's your challenge. Like, and I just wanna challenge you with this. Remember the Israelites, when they, when they first started saying, God, we're hungry and thirsty. Can you provide something for us here in this desert? Like, I don't think there was anything wrong with that, right? Like God can handle you when you're at your worst. God can handle you when you're frustrated and when you're mad and when you're desperate. He hears your grumbling. He hears your groans and he cares and he will provide for you. So maybe your challenge today is to cry out to the Lord and just let him be your provider. Maybe that's your challenge today. So I think there's those, those two people. And then there was this card handed to me earlier by Ann. And um, one of our prophetic word cards, and I'm going to read this to you. It says, I see people not on the heights or in the valley, but maybe somewhere in the middle. Maybe you're in a trial or tribulation or temptation, but Jesus was in temptation in the desert. He went into temptation before us. He lived it. He is completely with you through it all. Completely. He will see you through. And I do promise you that today. Like, God is a good God that loves you and he will see you through whatever trial you're going through today.